Our scripture passage comes to us from the Gospel of John. It is a continuation of the resurrection story. We heard a bit of this last week, but we continue on with the story. Let us pray. God, send your Holy Spirit upon us now that we might hear with wisdom and receive with joy what you are saying to your church this day. Through Christ we pray. Amen. From the Gospel of John, the 20th chapter. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the crowds, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord, and Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I remember the first time I ever preached on this passage about doubting Thomas. Now, it's unfortunate that Thomas gets stuck with this nickname, Doubter, since it's pretty clear that all of the disciples doubted Jesus at some point. Jesus' favorite way to refer to the disciples after all was, O ye of little faith. There's a bit of doubting Thomas in all of us. And thanks be to God that this is so. I remember it like it was yesterday. In fact, it was 20 years ago to the day that I began writing this sermon. It was on April 22, 2001. I guess that's 21 days. Yes, 21 years ago, right. Now, you may wonder why I would remember this day. Well, there was a feast for the senses that day that surrounded the preaching of the Word. So much to hear and to taste and to smell and to see. You'll just have to believe me. 
It was one week after Easter in the suburbs of Atlanta, Georgia. You see, I was teaching preaching at Columbia Theological Seminary on loan from Princeton Seminary, and in one of the classes that I was teaching, there was a student. He was a priest of the church, the Syrian Orthodox Church of South India. Raise your hand if you've heard of it. Toward the end of that semester, this student of mine, the priest, he invited me to preach at his, for his congregation, and I accepted. I got there early on that Sunday morning because this was before GPS, right, on my phone. So I got there, I found the place, got there early, and it was just a tiny little building that probably had once been a Baptist church. It was plain, unadorned, and unassuming on the outside. Just a simple box of a building. Now, I had never been to an Orthodox church before of any kind, let alone the Syrian Orthodox Church of South India. And I didn't know what to expect. I was the first person there, and I just went right in, and I went right up to the front row and sat down because I expected somebody would tell me what to do at some point in the service. And I remembered, though, at a certain point, somebody came in and greeted me and said, welcome, welcome, welcome. And I noticed he didn't have any shoes on. And I thought, uh-oh. I remembered a friend of mine who traveled in India had said that when every church she went to in India, they took their shoes off before they went in the building. And so quickly, I ran to the back of the church and took my shoes off and then came back and sat down. And I had time then, before the service started, to take in the scene before me. Here in what had once been an unadorned Baptist church, there in front of me stood this ornate iconostasis, which is the screen that separates the high altar from the gathered congregation. And behind it, only the priest and a few of his attendants could go. Secret things, went, mysterious things, I should say, go on back there in the preparation of the holy meal, the Eucharist. But on the iconostasis hung the many icons of the blessed saints, treasured and venerated pictures that are so holy that through prayer they become windows to the divine reality which they picture and in which they participate. So to sit in front of an icon of Jesus means that he himself is there, in the room, touchable, seeable. As the people gathered, I noticed that all the women sat on one side of the church and the men sat on the other, and luckily I chose the right side that morning. And as the people gathered, though, what happened was that where I was sitting right in the front row is that all the little boys came in and sat with me. Right, So all the people about Toby's size over here all came and sat with me, 15 little boys and me. And they were really gracious to me. They showed me throughout the service, holding up the service book, where we were in the service, right? Because half the service was a little bit was in English and the rest of it was in Malayalam, which is a language of South India. My ears were filled with the color wash of sound, Priests chanting, children laughing, adults singing, and I waited, and I waited through the service, not really knowing when I was supposed to preach. And the room itself was 
sweaty. <laughs> it, was, it was Atlanta, after all, and there was no air conditioning. It was springtime, and the humidity was as high as the temperature. And the smoke from the priest's incense overwhelmed me. Was this frankincense? And I thought, oh, what is this that was wafting up from downstairs? Between the floorboards came this amazing, aromatic, and pungent aromas of lunch that was waiting for us after the service. The Eucharist came and went. People moved forward, and the priest who had mixed the bread and the wine together into a holy mash was spooning out for each congregant coming forward into their mouths the, the mixed bread and wine. At some point, we all took hands to pray. Young boys and I, these little young people, jostled. they all jostled for position to hold the stranger's hand. And the service seemed to go on and on. And I was taking in the sounds and the sights and the smells and enjoying the tastes of the shared Eucharistic meal only vicariously. You have to believe me, it was worth seeing. When the service was nearing the end, when all the important parts had come and gone, finally the priest, who was my student, said, and now we will hear from our esteemed guest, professor from the seminary, right? And I stepped forward to a small lectern over on the side, and I looked out at this gathering of Indian immigrants who had participated in a two-hour holy Eucharistic service already, and I could only imagine that the last thing that anyone in the room wanted was more words. What could this American guy possibly have to say? And this wasn't their question, it was mine. I really don't remember what I said in that sermon. I couldn't find a copy of it in my files. But what I do know is this, the lectionary text for that day was the same as what is for today, the Gospel of John, and the text where Thomas misses the meet and greet with the resurrected Jesus and finds it all too difficult to comprehend, to believe, until he is actually present when Jesus appears and is invited to enter into the great feast of the senses, to touch, to feel to hear, to smell, and to see the Jesus he had known and the Jesus he would come to know more fully. Why would any of this have any meaning for this gathered congregation of Indian immigrants? Well, you see, the church, the Syrian Orthodox Church of South India, an ancient and historic church, believes that it was founded by none other than, wait for it, Doubting Thomas. It seems long ago, back in the first century, that there were, because of these key spice trading routes between South India and the Middle East, that there were communities of Jewish people who lived in South India. And when the first apostles went out through into all the world to make disciples, some traveled along those with those spice trading ships to the southern tip of the Asian subcontinent. And to these communities, they brought the gospel. And some, believe it or not, without ever seeing Jesus, believed. And the church believes that Thomas himself brought that message. 
Thomas gets a bad reputation, reputation through the centuries. He's seen almost lesser than because Jesus seems to chastise him saying, have you believed because you have seen? Well, blessed are those who believe and who have not seen. Were all the other disciples acting all smug, looking at the sheepish Thomas? They don't have any right to. They had actually seen Jesus just the week before, yet these were the very same disciples who themselves did not believe Mary Magdalene when she came from the tomb saying, He is not there, He is risen. Yeah, right. Yet this Thomas, held up as a doubter, who came to believing through seeing, took the message of his risen Savior halfway around the world, facing great hardship to a foreign land and people, and the message took hold among people who had never seen, yet believed. And the small gathering of the faithful on a muggy Sunday Atlanta morning, having participated in the Eucharist where they met the Christ in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup, had themselves traveled halfway around the world to a foreign land, bringing their faith with them, stepping out in faith, faith in one whom they had never seen yet believed. And faith sustained their community. Faith made them a community. And their stories of faith carried them from one generation to the next, the foolishness of our faith. As those who are blessed not having seen and yet have believed, is given a clear role model in one as such as Thomas. Each of us is called to live a life like Thomas's. Take the first step on the journey, though we do not know where it will take us, and give testimony along the way to what we have seen and heard and tasted and felt and believed. Blessed are you. Blessed are we. Icons of the divine in which when we encounter one another, we see the face of Christ. Praying with one another, we know that Christ is in the room. Encountering the risen Christ in our lives, we give testimony to the great power and transformation that comes through love. Blessed are you who have not seen but have believed. Blessed are we in this place here and now, may we experience truly the risen Christ. Amen.